Moncrief on News Talk. It is indeed time for parenting. Joanna Fortune joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, right, here's your first question. My little girl is three and a half. She's quite shy around other people, including my parents and pa- parents-in-law. This, despite the fact they mind her a couple of days a week while we work. This really hurts my mother. She thinks my daughter has gotten worse the older she gets and that she should naturally show affection to her grandparents. She thinks her behaviour is strange as they were used to my older child being very close to them. It upsets me to hear this. And while I don't dispute that my mother is hurt or that my little girl is shy or pretending to be shy at times, I can't help but think she's a three-year-old and it may be just a phase. I think she acts up on the shyness around them and I've suggested we all play it down and give it no attention. As I am aware how my mother feels, it makes me really uncomfortable when my little girl acts shyly around them and it stresses and embarrasses me. I encourage my daughter to chat to her grandparents as they love her very much. She is naturally a chatterbox but clams up in front of others. Could this be a COVID baby phenomenon? My daughter was born at the start of COVID restrictions on how to handle this. And finally, is this behaviour as strange as my mother thinks? Should I be concerned? I think there's layers now going on in Isn't this there one. Just, yeah. Like there really is. <laughs> is it about the child at all? This question. It's kind of <laughs> what I'm getting to because I mean, a lot of this is reading as being about your mother's needs mm. and her needs to receive this overt affection on her terms. From your very young daughter, by the way, rather than your daughter's needs. And, you know, we've said this countless times when questions come in about shyness. Shyness is not a problem. It's Mm. not something that we problematize or should, by the way, either. It's really only if the shyness is at a level that it is, you know, affecting your daughter's ability to participate in typical events for her age, which at three now would be fairly low key and minor. So we manage expectations. And, you know, you're saying here, I think she acts up on the shyness around them and it stresses and embarrasses you. I really think, you know, if it's stressing you, my brain immediately goes to what must it be like for that little girl? Because it sounds like a high level of demand is being placed on her, you Mm. know, to perform and to behave in a particular way to appease and please adults. She's three years old. (laughs) Like if she was 13 years old, I'd be saying that's too much. I really think with your daughter, rather than encouraging her, you know, because I don't know what that really looks and sounds like for you, you know, how we encourage it. Please don't embarrass me now. Talk to your grandparents, give them a hug when we go in. Whatever it might be, I'd say instead, just name the space your daughter needs. You know, I know you like to hold back and take your time before you talk to people. That's okay. You can do what you need to do. Mm. So when you say downplay it and don't comment on it, I'd be more validating for her. It's okay to do what you're doing. She's not doing anything wrong because I'm imagining she is perceiving that she's somehow in trouble or there's high tension around this connection. And that's only going to make the shyness increase. It's certainly not going to help it. Yeah. And when we think about how we this kind of phrase, um, you know, that your mother thinks there are ways she should naturally show affection. I, we really have to challenge that, I think, ourselves. How do we define showing affection? Because it really isn't and shouldn't be all hugs and kisses. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are many ways of her simply being happy to be there and sit with them and spend time with them is affection. If it is, no, she must come in, hug, kiss and chat and chat happily with us. I think that's an unrealistic demand of a three-year-old child. Of many children, by the way, regardless of age. Also, just as a general point, people have that assumption about children that it's all right to... 
not invade their body space, but you'd be much quicker to say to a child, oh, give us a hug. Absolutely. Uh, uh, than you would, you know, I know all sorts of adults I'm fond of, but I'm, I'd be like turfed out in news talk and <laughs> jig time if I was going around asking people for hugs all the but, time. But this is it, though, you know, and we do have to respect, like we're talking about all the time, especially nowadays with raising children to understand body boundaries and concepts like consent and respect. And then we say, now, come here, you must do that or it's rude. Mm. So I think it is OK. She may not be a child who, you know, wants to do that. You're asking, is this about a COVID thing? Look, at maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The truth is you won't know. Maybe she was always going to be shy. I'd be more interested in who she does remind you of rather than who she doesn't. She may not be like her older sibling. That's OK. Yeah. yeah. And I just think it isn't about... It's easy for me to say, by the way, and I'm aware of that. The parent listening might be going, oh, sorry, Joanne, it really is about I don't want to deal with this with my mother. It is about reminding Granny that she is loved by this child and this child is loved by her and that that's enough. She doesn't, it's not her personality to come in and sit on your lap and hug and kiss and chatter away. It takes her time to warm up. She's cautious. It can be very wise for young children to step back and suss out a situation and get a read on people before they step forward. There is nothing wrong with her doing that. She is very young. She's probably only heading into her preschool year you know, in the last Mm. six months or so, give or take, you know, that she started that. So give her time with preschool peers and interacting with the world beyond you guys. And she may grow in this kind of overt confidence, but I would also never equate shyness with a lack of confidence. It is simply how I feel comfortable in social situations. I would imagine the louder this demand that she behave in a way that is not her natural instinct gets, the more withdrawn she will behave. So actually, the behaviour that needs to change here is the adult's behaviour to elicit a different response from the child. Yeah, because I'd say the grandparents or the grandmother knows that she's a chatterbox when she's at home. So, and if it's she's minding her a couple of days a week, uh, a week yeah. why isn't she a chatterbox here? But I suppose that a three-year-old can feel that pressure. Of can course, feel that. and they can behave in very different ways. And your parents and your home are your safe haven. That's mm. your secure base. That's where everything feels, ah, oh, yeah. It's supposed to be where we exhale mm. and that we relax. So the fact that she would behave differently with parents at home and anyone else, regardless of who they are, is again not something that would be a worry for me. Yeah, yeah. My mother has recently been diagnosed with cancer. She is the one who looks after my daughter as well. I'm at work and sometimes I think they love her more than they love me. I'm just very worried about how I communicate with my daughters what's about to happen to granny. We know that due to the chemo, my mum will lose her hair. We also uh, don't know the long-term impact of the illness. My mum is going to be very tired and able to see the kids as much. And it will mean getting a new babysitter. I'm struggling to deal with this myself. In fact, my eight-year-old keeps asking me if I'm okay when I'm crying. How do I explain to them that the person they idolise the most is going to look, act and feel different for the foreseeable future? especially when I can't wrap my head around it myself. Oh, look, I'm so Mm. sorry to all of you to hear your mom is unwell. I I just think, Sean, it's so scary when someone that you love gets sick like this. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you're always the child of your parent in this instance, you know, and I can feel that distress and pain when this person is writing. The first thing I'm going to suggest you do is deal with the fact that you're struggling and understandably, by the way, to wrap your head around this yourself. And I would suggest you make contact with your local 
cancer support services. I think they're an amazing resource in communities. They are connected in with counsellors, therapists. They have resources, information. They do events, gatherings. I think it could be for your mum as well, by the way, in due Mm. course, and even for your children. But I think start with yourself. I think it's well worth linking in with them. I also want to pick up on this bit about, you know, you're crying and your eight-year-old is seeing you and saying what's wrong. And you don't say what you say in response to that. But I do want to come back to that, Sean, because it is okay for our children to see us cry. I think as adults, we often try to put on brave face. And of course, it's not good for children to see you cry. Like if you're crying all the time, that's a whole other conversation. And please do get support. But if you are crying in a very context specific situation like this and they see you, don't dismiss it as nothing. Like don't say, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry. I'm fine. Mm. Don't do that. Say, I'm crying because I feel sad. Yeah. And, you know, I think a hug might help me because a child will want to help you feel better. But by modeling that, you're letting them know that when you feel sad, crying is a normal, healthy thing to do and that you can ask for help and something can make you feel better. And I think that would really help your child because if you say nothing, nothing, I'm fine. They don't go away reassured. They go away worried that something is wrong and you're not telling me what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So and then in due course, you may want to say and tell them this news, I think you're going to have to. It sounds time sensitive. You know, if chemo is starting, effects of chemo tend to kick in relatively quickly, depending on the treatment protocol and the person in question. But be honest, but factually succinct is the best way I could put it, given you're talking to, we know you've an eight-year-old, but another young child as well. Granny has a sickness in her body and she's going to take special medicine for it. The medicine she's going to take is really strong and it's going to make her feel tired. And you know what? Her hair is going to fall out. She might even look a bit different. And that's why somebody new is going to be taking care of you. But our job now is to take care of Granny. And we're going to tell her stories about our day. We're going to read to her, sing to her, make her cards or pictures, whatever it is that granny can tolerate. This should be about what granny's capacity to receive that kind of love is. But making sure that the children can do that and that they can do video calls and phone calls if she needs um, time and space. So do all of that practical stuff. Keep it very factual. An eight-year-old will understand. The reason I would say she has a sickness in her body that needs special medicine is... I don't want them thinking that any time you get sick, like a head cold or a sore yes, throat, yeah, that your yeah. hair is going to fall out, that you do want to link that this is because it's a special kind of medicine that's very strong in the body. Mm. So I think start with yourself. And that isn't just a quick fix of a quick chat in your grand. Make that part of how you all get through this and just keep the children involved in what's happening. And, you know, hopefully your mom responds really well to treatment and she does recover and that you're coming out of this at the end. And just don't get too far into could have, what might have, what ifery with this because yeah, you cannot yeah. predict. Try as best you can. And I know how hard this is, but to stay in the moment with it. But I really think I'd like you to talk to somebody yourself first so that you can support your children through it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. My 12-year-old son quits everything he does. We've put him into GAA, soccer, music, dancing, theatre, gaming and everything we can think of, but he quits them all. At the start, we didn't take much notice because we were hoping he would find his thing. I don't want to be one of those pushy parents, but I do believe a child should be involved in some sort of activity. He has friends and he does get out of the house, but I'm just worried that he lacks a bit of motivation. 
I've asked him what he wants to do, and uh, but I get a nothing response. I want him to be involved in something outside of school. So how do I go about it? I mean, there's so many things that you've tried. You know, I'm, I'm assuming, by the way, not all at once. And yes. that this was like a process. That is a lot. Exactly. But I'm also wondering how long is he giving something before he gives up? Because immediately when I see a list like this and a child this age, I'm curious about his expectations of perfection. I'm curious, is this a perfectionistic child who, when they start something, mm. if I'm not a Premier League football player after the first session, I'm I'm not playing soccer or, you know, if I'm not headed for the Sam Maguire, I'm not playing GA, I don't want to do it or whatever it might be. If he is setting very, very impossibly high standards for himself, then actually his enjoyment will be predicated on success rather than participation. And that can often lead to children dropping activities as a pattern. And this is a pattern. I think it's a very relatable one, by the way, to want your child motivated to learn, to take and enjoy opportunities, to try new and exciting things. I don't think any parent listening would disagree with you. Often, especially at this preteen age that he's at, and he may well have been like this all along, but start where he's at now. Try to set a goal, but positively reframe it. Don't make the goal something you won't give up this year. Instead, make it, you know, this is the year we're going to have fun finding what you like to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And make that an enjoyable process. Um, I think, you know, when you say to him, what would you like to do? It might be a bit vague for him. Tell him he must choose one thing. It should be fun. It should be something he's interested in. And if you can give him, depends on where you're at and what you can do, three to five, no more than five and three is plenty. Affordable, accessible choices. Um, don't make the mistake I did when my child said uh, she wanted to play hockey and I brought her to the first day of hockey. She casually looked at me and went, why are we here? It's ice hockey I wanted. You yeah. know? I had not asked enough investigative questions oh, about that. to move to that. Canada. Yeah. Oh, you should have explained. Oh, I didn't understand that. Yeah. So you make sure that it's something that you can access when they go, this is the thing I'm going to love. Um, but also only offer choices that you are happy that you can facilitate, Mm. okay, that you can get them there, that it's not adding on a huge burden like that. But get curious with him about why he isn't sticking at things. You know, what is it about the activities? My suspicion keeps returning to unrealistic expectations of himself, not of you, by the way, but of himself. But just in general, how is his motivation in school? The fact that you do not mention it makes me infer that it's actually fine. And If he is happy in school and doing his work and doing, if they get homework, doing homework and participating at that, what does he do at home? Does he read? Does he play with whatever Legos or gaming is in there that might be part of what he likes? Is he happy to entertain himself at home? Because then it's not specific to motivation. Yeah, it's specific to something about extracurricular activities. So I would get a little bit of an investigator hat on and get more curious about what it is, because you have covered quite the spectrum of activities here. It's from sports to arts to gaming. Like you really Mm. have looked at everything. Uh, It's not uncommon. It's not unusual. Yeah, at all. That, no, you know, no. I fancy. But you're, you, you, there's a bit of like, I'll try this thing and then I'll be brilliant at it because I have a friend who's brilliant at it. And then you realise you're not. just wanting to be highly proficient on mm. day one and not understanding you've got to stick at it and practice mm. to get there, that you will get there, but it takes time. So it might be about having that kind of conversation. But at 12, you know, this child may well be in sixth class, Sean, and about to transition to secondary school next year. And I get the whole getting them involved in something could be a nice thing to transition to into the secondary school community. So, yeah, it's great if you find something, but do not make this a battle. Like, don't make it a thing where 
I'll do this because just to get you off my back, but I hate it because it's a waste of all your money and time in that instance. Joanna, thanks a million as ever. Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.